welcome to episode number 27 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in the gaming industry. This week, we have a new bright mind on the podcast. We do have Brett Colson, we do have Eric Ramsey, but we are joined by the one, the only Mark Meltzer. Mark, thank you for being here with us this week. Thank you for calling me a bright mind. First time in a long time. Hey, there is a first time for everything on this podcast, and if, if you if you come with terrible takes, we will instantly take that title away from you. We have done it to Eric on three different occasions. <laughs> so, so this is something that will happen. Eric, we are here for you to gain back the people's trust this week. Yeah, I just committed blatant factual errors on here, but no, that's the reason That's the reason we don't have Adam Candy this week for that terrible NBA take last oh. week, so we subbed Mark in this week. Yeah, I mean, he had, to, he had to get out of here with that thing. That was just the worst thing we've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> he is now suspended for the next two weeks, is basically what we did. <laughs> he is on probation, and I, I do not feel bad about that in the least bit. Um, guys, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we are on all of the places that you go to listen to your podcast, so please go to any of those places, any of the play your favorite place and rate review subscribe give us all the five stars give us all the good reviews all of that stuff will help more people find this podcast help us climb up the rankings and make more people educated about this crazy gambling industry that we have going on right now because as you know as you've watched listen to this podcast now for 26 other episodes there are a lot of people who don't know what the hell they're talking about so we are trying our best to do some educational what, what would you call this, Erica? Public service that we're doing basically here? Yeah, I guess yeah. you could think of it yeah. as a, some sort of charity work we're doing yeah. here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 the way it works. I mean, Brett, I would assume whenever we kind of look at, whenever we look back on this, whenever we hit, you know, episode number 127, we'll look back and, and we'll think that we have actually done some good here. Do you feel like you'll pat yourself on the back? Yeah, I feel like I will. All right, I, I, the, the question, the question, you've got a 26 game history going here. Are you going to make it to 127 all the way through? I know. I know. This is this is something this is something we're going to have to at some point come to grips with that Maybe I will not be able to to be on this podcast. But let me tell you, through 26, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. My Cal Ripken streak. <laughs> No days off. Yeah, no days off. Uh, as normal, we will start with the quick hits, as we normally do. We'll move into some main topics here where we talk about, you know, just some of these new partnerships and things that are going on with pro sports and sportsbook operators. And then we will basically turn the conversation completely over to Mr. Mark Meltzer, who will talk a lot about the Vegas gambling industry out here and things that he has seen shifting, things that are changing, and how he sees kind of basically the next five to ten years in the way that they're going to be handling things out here in the desert but first and foremost quick hits here tropicana eric launched a sports book yep starting in new jersey again uh count them nine sports books in new jersey now tropicana opened on thursday uh it's a william hill sports book so william hill now runs three of new jersey's nine sports books uh trop doesn't have an online mobile platform yet other than through william hill but that's coming a uh, little more delayed than some of the properties, you know, number nine in the list here because it's in the middle of a of, was in the middle of a sale to El Dorado, uh, which just closed. So, yeah, up to nine, almost the double digits in, uh, in New Jersey sports books. Pretty crazy, right? I mean, like we're we're sitting here just a few months ago and there were none. And then here we are now already up to nine. It's pretty, you know, I mean, we're normalizing this a little bit. This news we knew this was coming. It wasn't, it's not even really huge news. You know, we're talking about it at the top of the show, but it, we're got, we've gotten to the point where it's just another sports book opening in New Jersey. And that's kind of cool. That's true. This would have been a, this would have been a main, main topic for us just, you know, maybe 10 episodes ago or something like that. Yeah, for sure. 
but we're no, we're not. Now it's just like, yeah, whatever. Another book just opened. Whatever. Show me pictures of it. Let me, let me rate it just off of my, just off of what send, I think. Send about me on the, send me on the jet to go down and check it out. Right. Let's I go. mean, this is, it's happening sooner than later. Right. I mean, like we're, <laughs> we, we got to get you over there. Yeah, let's do it. Well, uh, did you guys, I mean, both you guys were in New Jersey. Did you guys, either of you guys get a uh, chance to take a look at what they were working on over there? No, I couldn't. Nobody, uh, nobody that I asked knew any knew where to find it or knew if it was under construction or it was it was completely in the dark when I was there. All right. I got something from Vegas for you about the Trop book. It's uh, temporary. There's no date on when a full book will be open and there's nowhere to watch or sit to enjoy the games. Perfect. after You place a bet. So it's basically a ticket window. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. It's, it's still a book. It's still a place to bet, which is still better than you had yesterday. And it does have a good spot there on the boardwalk. The boardwalk is the hopping spot for for sports books and new casinos these days. Uh, good, it's an enviable spot to be for Trop. Yeah, I will be back over there shortly. I think Eric, you will be as well. So we'll have all kinds of things to report back from and what's going on over there in New Jersey. So one of the things that we were monitoring, and it kind of fell out of the main like story pipeline in the gaming industry strictly because of all the other stuff that was that was going on but Eric there was always that lingering thing going on in Indiana with DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah, this so-called uh, Indiana fantasy sports case which uh the long story short, three former college athletes sued DraftKings and FanDuel for using their name and their statistics. There's some specific Indiana laws that concern an individual's right to promote themselves that uh, the the plaintiffs claimed DFS violated. Um, this case has been batted around for a couple of years. It found its way in a in a federal appellate court that uh, essentially couldn't figure out what to do with it. Needed more precedent, so the Indiana Supreme Court this week set that precedent. Uh, in favor of the operators, essentially ruling that the the data they're they're providing falls under an exclusion in Indiana law, and they are free to use it. So it doesn't decide the case, but it it basically makes the result uh, a foregone conclusion. It's either going to be dismissed or or the sites will almost certainly win this case. That is one of the like again we talk about with everything that's going on in the industry. Like this is something that we were we were all hot and heavy on when this kind of came out, and then. It just really fell off of the the radar completely. I mean, this was almost one of those weird things that just went through your Twitter feed. That whenever this decision came down, it was you know like where this normally would have been a a massive massive story going down. Like it was just kind of like a an also ran, but you know big big win for sure for DraftKings and FanDuel in all of this. Eric, did you want to hit on the the NCA framework stuff just just real quick? Yeah, this is another one that, I mean, we're, we may end up spending a show talking about this at some point in coming weeks, but uh, NCAA, for the first time, has sort of asked for a legislative framework in the same vein as the professional leagues. Um, it more closely follows the NFL's model, but it, it pulls bits from all of the professional leagues, the same uh, data protections and consumer protections and things like that. The the thing that's interesting in there is we're seeing another appearance of uh, rights over individual health data. The NCAA wants legislated uh control at the individual athlete level over their their health and and biometric data something that we're starting to see crop up a little more so there there's really a ton there's this is a huge effort from the ncaa that's just getting underway and we'll i i'm sure we'll be talking more about this in the future yeah no absolutely and i mean again this is this will be ongoing basically i think like forever you know i mean as long as the ncaa is a thing they're always going to be kind of in this 
in the the fly and the ointment, if you will, of uh, everything that's going on with legalized. It doesn't right? sound like you will hear them ask for integrity fees, though. It sounds like that's off the table. In a resolution they passed, they sort of almost express, explicitly shunned the integrity fees and said they want to focus on on education and awareness. So probably don't expect to see integrity fees, which is reassuring. There, I mean, yeah, I guess if we want to, uh, if we want to look at the the upside in all this, I can't imagine them. I mean, with them not paying. There are many the reasons athletes. why yeah, they yeah. ask for the integrity yeah, fee. Yeah, of course. I mean that would be that would be that'd be pretty brutal. Yeah. Brett's a big fan of the NCAA, so I'm sure he's. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure he can't wait to see how they they go about all this. I can spend a whole damn show about my hate <laughs> of the NCAA. <laughs> all right, there was an AGA survey that came out, and Mark will will go to you on this one. They came out and said that basically um, this whole legalized sports betting thing. Who who would have thunk it could have could be pretty profitable for these leagues? Yeah, it's 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 very shocking. You know, they're look, <laughs> the leagues are looking for money on top of money with their what they want royalty fees, integrity fees. They want whatever they can get. But you know, the AGA spells it out simply: just by existing, the leagues are going to make billions of dollars. You know, I think it was an average of about a billion per league. 4.2 between the four major U.S. sports, uh, 1.7 with the NBA and MLB alone. You know, there, there's a lot of money that's going to be made from just more engagement, more excitement. You know, I'm looking at the New Jersey sports betting apps. There is already stuff that I can see people betting on, you know, while they're just sitting on their couch watching a game. So why? Why would this not? Why would this surprise anybody? Yeah, and we will touch on you know just again other ancillary ways that these people are going to be able to monetize throughout. You know, I mean, the myriad of ways they're going to be able to monetize throughout the the whole sports betting process here without having to go and try to get their hand in that little tiny piece, that little sliver that is the actual profit that these you know casinos are going to make on this stuff and these sports books are going to make on these things so uh yeah not a shocker there but aga again billions out there who to thunk it um yeah i mean brett let's uh let's go to one of the more interesting uh things here of the week the uh william hill took a Took, took to the Twitter machine. I think that's where we saw it first and basically put FanDuel Sportsbook on blast. And it was one of those things, whenever you took a look at it, I think everyone, I mean, we have a company Slack chat and it was almost, even though you can't see the people because they're only typing text into our Slack chat, you could almost see everybody's palm, like face palms, like happening all at the same time. You just, your mind imagined everybody's jaw dropping. Well, I think I heard everybody's palms slapping their forehead. That's how ridiculous this is. But yeah, William Hill filed suit against FanDuel this week, alleging copyright infringement of its informational betting materials on its website, pamphlets inside the Meadowlands Sportsbooks in New Jersey. The the guy, it was a how to bet guide that was essentially, no, not even essentially, it was straight up copy and pasted <laughs> from William Hill uh, in several sections. Uh, that includes William Hill's name and contact information that was found on this FanDuel How to Bet guide. And uh, now William Hill is, is suing for damages and a permanent injunction of the materials. More than anything, this is just embarrassing for FanDuel. And I, it's a, a, another in a growing line of 
slip ups since their launch. I mean, this one, of course, much less costly than the glitch issue that we talked about at length last month. But I mean, to me, this just looks like someone forgot to do their job, threw this together in a mad rush before the Meadowlands launch and in hopes that nobody would notice. I, and I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, my only theory in this and, and Eric, when we're talking about like plagiarism, we're talking about copying, pasting like to the point where the support phone number was the same, like literally <laughs> the, the, the support phone number on it was the same. Uh, my only thought in this was that they were hurrying to put this together and they literally went and copy and pasted someone else's and someone's job was to go in and tweak it and basically make it their own and they just forgot because I can't imagine you would literally think that you could just go in and copy and paste and put something up and then it just lived there you know forever and especially yeah. when it has like wrong information on it like i just think that someone forgot to go in and do the whole like okay well we'll tweak a word here and we'll tweak a little thing here and you know whatever but i mean it's just it's just crazy joe asher's so, joe asher's comment was pretty funny too it's the dumbest thing i mean this is something you you can pay someone a very minimal <laughs> amount of money to do this sort of thing this gets done around the industry but also i mean if they were going to steal one, they they are part of Patty Power Betfair, which I'm sure has some sorts of guides like this they could have pulled from instead of a, another company uh, that's separate. I think there's a little, maybe a little bit of um, PR in here. The the quote from Asher is amazing. They're giving uh, part of the money if if any's awarded, they're going to give part of it to creative writing scholarships in New Jersey, which I didn't really get the irony of that initially. I just, that just dawned on me today. Uh, so I, I think there's a, there's a little bit of, of PR in this too. It's, it's absurd. Yeah. His direct quote was, we are not litigious people, but this is ridiculous. If the court finds in our favor, a portion of the proceeds will fund scholarships for creative writing programs in New Jersey universities. Amazing. So it's amazing. yeah, I mean, that is, that is throwing some shade for sure. And, uh, but I mean, how, hilarious for something like this to slip through the cracks i mean mark i know you had some fun with this as well on the twitter machine it's just uh you know i i guess more than anything it's we step back and we look at this and we just kind of go guys there's there's so much at stake here and there's a lot of there's a, i get it there's a lot of moving parts but something as basic as this slipping through the cracks just you just wonder how in the hell this can possibly happen well i think like you said it's rushed they're hurrying up last minute approval and all that jazz, but it's also sloppy and lazy. And at the end of the day, does anybody really care? You know, I think we're sort of the one percenters of the sports betting world. We definitely care. We get some chuckles out of it. We'll blow up our slacks, but you know, does Joe Schmo from New York city that's rolling over to the Meadowlands really care? Probably not. Yeah, I would say yeah. definitely not. I would actually, I would actually probably say definitely not. I'll go I can't ahead. imagine it. I can't imagine any FanDuel customers moving funds off of FanDuel today because of this. Yeah, That's just no. Not I think this was more of. Uh, I think this was more of one of the things for, uh, just to for the. F- for an industry type deal for them to just kind of put them on blast. Essentially. I, I think they know that customers aren't going to care or it's not really going to even make like huge, huge headlines or anything, but I think it's more of a like, Hey guys, let's all like take, take a chance to laugh together at them. You know, like, like something like that, just putting it out there in the open. Uh, so Brett, let's, uh, let's talk about this whole NBA betting thing. Of course, if you guys know, we are now fully into the regular season of the NBA and much like we've seen early on here in the NFL, 
the NBA overs are getting there, and that's bad for the books because people like to bet overs. They hate to bet unders. Yeah, it's, we're at a point in the four major U.S. sports right now where defense just doesn't seem to happen anymore. I mean, we, we we're seeing scoring way up in the NFL, NHL, and now the NBA as well. The first week of the season, the average points per game was 220. The over paid out 63% of the games uh, through Tuesday and through the first week. And we saw two teams score 140 points or more. And this is unusual because typically in October, it's the under that has been the sharp play for NBA betting. So odds makers are surely taking note of the scoring surge here early in the season. We're seeing the totals. We're seeing the totals listed start to climb. Just looking at the four game slate here on Thursday night, all the matchups have totals listed of 215 or higher. And the Lakers Nuggets game is 236, <laughs> which is it's kind of crazy because the, Nug- the Nuggets right now are one of the only two teams actually playing defense with the Celtics right now. So that total looks a little high to me. But I mean, we're left wondering right now, what what are the reasons for the scoring increase? Uh, and across all the leagues, I mean, you can certainly point to some of the rule changes. The NFL and the NHL have made it more difficult to play defense, more penalties, which, of course, in the NHL means more power plays. The NFL means teams getting chunks of yards and first downs without the clock going anywhere. So more more points are built into those changes. And it looks like a rule change in the NBA is affecting the number of possessions teams are getting per game. The shot clock now resets to 14 on an offensive rebound as opposed to 24, which we've seen in, in for forever which potentially cuts 10 seconds off a of possession and the average re- offensive rebounds per game for teams is around 11 or 12. So we're seeing the pace of p- uh, play increase. That means more shot attempts, more points. And it looks like an early headache for odds makers who may not have anticipated just how much more scoring there would be. Yeah, absolutely. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Like I was going to point out the whole shot clock thing, because I think that that is having a much, much bigger effect than people than people anticipated when they were heading into the season here. And I'm sure I, I'll, I'll fully admit I have not placed a single NBA bet so far this year. I've been you know really focused on on NFL. So I was not able to take advantage of that, but I'm sure there were some sharp guys out there who probably put two and two together and realized like, well, if these teams have few have have less time to get a shot up after a after a rebound that they are going to, you know, that's going to equal more points in theory. And so, man, Eric, you were probably all over that, right? And didn't share the information with us. Is that, is <laughs> yeah. that, is that yeah, the way of course, I'm all, all hardcore NBA better over here. Obviously, <laughs> if you know one thing about me, you know, I'm a sharp NBA better. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, it, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like bookmakers maybe are adjusting based on what Brett said, all the, those yeah. totals from tonight. Uh, but, you know, some of these overs are going way over by 10 or 20 points. And some of these totals are already really high to begin with. Yeah, it's tough, tough for bookmakers. Yeah, and then and then the NFL, of course, I mean, we're we are. It's really tough to play pass defense. And then on top of that, without uh, even if you do play good pass defense, there's a pretty good chance that one of your defensive linemen or linebackers is going to get flagged for roughing the passer as well. And so at what's that, what that has done is it encourages teams to pass more because it is just plus EV to pass more often, because even if you don't complete the pass, there is a much higher chance of you still advancing the ball via some sort of penalty along the way. So um, yeah, it's just it's just changed the way the NFL is being played. And I imagine we are going to see some really big shifts heading into next year whenever these books have an entire offseason to really start to, 
to analyze all the information and things like that because, uh, yeah, this is only going to – and, of course, with just the, the superstar athletes in the league and everything now, this is, this is not going away. Like, scoring in the NFL is, is here to stay until they get back to where you can basically mug a, a quarterback and a, and a wide receiver. So, going to be very interesting to see how the sports actually take to, to – uh, the sports books, I mean, take to all this whenever they have some more time to analyze all the data. And Eric, before we get out of here into our main topics, let's talk about the old Mississippi revenues here because you and I were talking a little bit off air about this. But, I mean, when you when you kind of pull things out and extrapolate it, I mean, I know people weren't jumping up and down because the numbers, you know, on the surface aren't eye-popping. But when you kind of break it down, the numbers are pretty eye-popping, actually. Yeah, we say, I mean, we say we put a lot of conditions on every time we release numbers here as we're in the first few months of sports betting. So, you know, take these in a vacuum. But uh, first month of football, about 32 million in handle, uh, five and a half million in revenue for the casinos. Football is is going to be king in Mississippi. I mean, we know that's coming. It was responsible for four million of the five and a half million in revenue. Um, reporting includes futures, but books are holding more than 17 percent on on wagers in September. Um, yeah, again, hard to read too much into them, but there's certainly nothing to complain about with the situation down there. Uh, obviously, uh, no offsite online and mobile wagering, as we've talked about, you can, I don't think as far as I know, no one is offering any mobile products no. in Mississippi, but there will be some onsite mobile wagering in the future. Yeah. So this number is completely non-mobile. Um, it will be, it, it will be soon, but yeah, completely non-mobile right now. And when you pull it out, I mean, we're talking about a state that is population-wise, you know, a little less than a third population-wise of New Jersey. So then you look at that number and you say, like, okay, $32 million in handle for a state that is, you know, less than a third as far as population goes with no mobile wagering whatsoever. Then that number kind of goes like, damn, these people are getting after it over there. Like they're, they're very, they're very into this. And, you know, Eric, I've talked to a couple, I mean, uh, Brett, I've talked to a couple of, of sportsbook guys as, as recently as, as a couple of days ago. And one of the things that they had mentioned and we kind of speculated about, and, you know, we'll see how it plays out through the rest of the year, but college football is crushing in Mississippi. They are, they said the lines to, which is why they are all so, 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 so incredibly anxious to get this whole mobile wagering thing up because the lines at the windows on college football Saturdays has gotten so incredibly out of hand because the the popularity is there to bet on college football. Yeah, Mississippi is crushing. That number popped way more to me than the New Jersey number just because of what you said. I mean, there's no mobile available in Mississippi yet. And we were expecting huge numbers in New Jersey based on what they were projecting there. So, yeah, I, I thought that number for Mississippi was incredible. And, yeah, really no surprise that college football is is annihilating down there. And, Mark, you spend a lot of time in the in the books here in Vegas and, and all around. With Mississippi only having, you know, uh, the, the mobile aspect within the casino premises – do you think that is going to have a, a pretty major impact? I mean, how often are you sitting in the book and looking around and the people are, are, are using the apps to, to place bets as opposed to heading up to the window? It depends where you are in Las Vegas. You know, if you're out in the burbs, like where I live near Red Rock Casino, I would say half of the people are just sitting there making their bets on the phone. When you go to the Strip, it's different because tourists don't tend to be mobile. Uh, with their betting because they 
want the cash. They want drink tickets. They want physical tickets so they can take a picture when they have a big winner. <laughs> they, um, they, they need the Instagram material, right? <laughs> a- absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a little bit different depending on the, uh, on where you are in Las Vegas. But one thing that Mississippi, that Mississippi does have that we don't have here in Nevada, Nevada, sorry, I'll get that right someday, <laughs> um, is that they have uh, kiosks at some of the casinos already. So, you know, you don't you don't have to wait in a line at some of the Golden Nugget casinos, for example. You know, you won't have to wait in the lines, you know, at MGM casinos next year. So, you know, that that's going to hopefully alleviate some issues moving forward. But for now, people are so stoked for college and much I much like we've already said, the lines are huge and the books are seeing way more action, I think, than they could have even projected. Yeah, and this number also, they're very hopeful for next football season because, of course, that also does not include in-play wagering. And that is the other thing that the app brings to the table is allowing in-play wagering. So uh, could be could be real interesting numbers coming out of Mississippi in 2019 because it does not look like they are going to have really any competition whatsoever um, by between now and 2020, certainly with any of the neighboring states getting going uh, before then, so could be could be interesting. All right, Eric, let's talk about a. This is one of the 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 major topics that we've brought up several occasions on this podcast, and I think that this one, you know, yet again, just one of those things where one we say William Hill is like taking over the world, and it just can see, it seems like William Hill every single time we do a podcast has a new headline for us, but another major partnership in place for them. Yeah, last month it was the Vegas Golden Knights becoming the first uh, NHL franchise to partner with a sports book. This month it is the New Jersey Devils doing the same thing. Uh, William Hill and the Devils are partners in New Jersey. This is an expansive partnership that includes uh, presence at the arena. It ha- both deals uh, share a lot of elements. There's um, branding on the Dasher board and on the scoreboards and the LED ribbons. There's live odds from William Hill during the intermissions and sponsored line changes and things. But at the Prudential Center in Newark, there will be a William Hill sports lounge inside the arena. It's, it's not going to be a sports book, but remember there's mobile betting statewide in New Jersey. So folks will be betting through the William Hill ill ha- you know what I'm trying to say that <laughs> app on their phone and inside of the Prudential Center. Uh, yeah, I mean, really huge deal. This is the the fourth uh, gaming team partnership in sports. We'll talk about the third here in a minute. But we had the the Cowboys deal with the casino in Oklahoma, the Knights with William Hill and now the Devils with William Hill. Eric, do you know William Hill well enough to call him Bill Hill? Because I don't know <laughs> if that's like, are you OK? I, I, do you know him well enough to do that? I do that. Have you been reading my text messages? That's my casual. Right. That's my nickname. Because right. I mean, like you're sitting here, you know, Bill Hill. I just Bill? I didn't. All right. I just was making sure. <laughs> Bill is crushing it these days. Bill is <laughs> Bill is everywhere. Brett, you are a hockey guy. So obviously you probably follow more hockey people on the Twitter machine than I do. You probably go to more hockey websites and stuff than I do. So anecdotally here, since sports betting has been legalized and NHL has been going for a few weeks now, do you, is there a little bit more of a buzz about NHL betting? Because, you know, we speculated that we figured that the ancillary sports had like the, the most to gain from this. I mean, you know, NFL is certainly going to get bigger in NBA and MLB. We, we all agree on that, but how much how much bigger possibly can the NFL get? And we're talking about the sports landscape here. But like, you know, we were talking about golf and NHL and some of these other, you know, peripheral sports that they we figured they had the, the most to gain from all of this. So do you do you see people talking about it more? Do you see people making bets more? Is it like what what are you what are you seeing right now? 
Well, I think we're it's a little skewed just because of what happened in Las Vegas last year. It was already growing just in Vegas alone. There was so much more interest because of what the Golden Knights were doing there and the betting around it. Um, I, I haven't heard a whole lot about I mean, you've got the Devils in New Jersey and in, in the Rangers. And the, I mean, all these teams right now suck uh, outside of the Flyers. But we so I haven't seen a whole lot about uh, legal sports betting and then NHL quite yet. But certainly uh, this exposure with these partnerships with the leagues and, and the operators is going to help. And, and I, I think it's, you know, it's very similar to what we saw with, with the DFS companies and the NHL. I mean, I, I would walk into a Sabres game. I would see DraftKings plastered all over the place and I got excited. I would go to my seat and start setting lineups because I just, you know, you're, you're in the stadium, you're seeing it in front of you and you want to be a part of it. And I, I think that's going to be, uh, it's going to be huge once we s- see more of these uh, partnerships. It's super reminiscent of those DFS lounges that were popping up all over the place for for a couple years. Uh, I mean, I think as far as I know, there's still one at Madison Square Garden. Last time I was there uh, last season, there was still a big DraftKings lounge occupying space in Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, don't expect to see a lot more of this going forward. Oh, yeah. Mark, with the Golden Knights in Las Vegas and their partnership and things that are going on with them, how do you feel that that buzz has carried over? I know that was a little bit of a rough start for the Golden Knights, and and I don't know if it let some of the air out of the balloon of just the casual fans that I follow or listen to or whatever, but how do you feel like the, the NHL has carried over in Las Vegas right now? Well, I am probably the opposite of Brett. I hate hockey. Um, I despise <laughs> suspended, actually, suspended I from despise, the show. <laughs> I despise the NHL because they went on strike twice, but that's an issue for another day in time. The Las Vegas market is still stoked about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. They were up to a minus two seventy favorite yesterday, and uh, they lost, and the books crushed the people. But you know, it's still a small part of the of the pie you know the world series game still did way more business uh for the for the sports books here so you know people are still into it i still see the same amount of tweets about it uh there's still a lot of excitement even though they're not off to the start that people are hoping but there's still a lot of excitement for the team they're still a good team and uh they're signing players in you know they're they're still as popular as ever and you know, I don't look for that to change until there's a significant downturn on the ice, which, you know, where we haven't seen yet. It's Eric, coming. Eric, listen. <laughs> our, our, our resident hockey guy jumps in. He's like, yeah, don't you worry. It's coming. It's coming. Get ready, Vegas. Yeah. Get, get ready. Uh, Eric, we have another partnership in sports here. This time, Caesars, which we, you know, we. Uh, Admittedly here, I mean, when this kind of came through, we have not talked a a ton really on this podcast at all about Caesars. It seems like everybody else has been making noise all around and we have had very, very little talk about Caesars on here. Yeah, this one makes a lot of sense. Uh, this was from last Friday, the the third partnership I just alluded to. The Baltimore Ravens are partnered with the local casino, Horseshoe Baltimore. Another one that makes a lot of sense. The casino is basically in the shadows of uh, the Ravens Stadium. It's also right there near Camden Yards for what that's worth, where the where the Orioles play. But yeah, I, you know, in prepping this, I, there is a pinned tweet on the the Horseshoe Baltimore, Baltimore Twitter uh, from September 7th that actually announced a partnership with the Ravens. So this seems to be sort of an expansion of that partnership. Partnership, I guess, um, where the property can use the logos and they're going to rebrand their feature bar that if you've ever been there, that huge bar in the center of the casino will be a Ravens bar. 
Um, this deal will not involve sports betting for the foreseeable future, at least uh, sports betting not legal in Maryland. And it requires a voter referendum. So the first first opportunity would be 2020 for that to happen. And that is uh, to kind of go back to one of the things that we were talking about on the podcast last week was one of the things that was brought up in the whole Washington, D.C. thing was why they were talking about a sense of urgency for for them. Right. Because they were saying that they wanted to beat basically the neighboring states to the punch if they could. That, that we talked about how hot that little region is between yeah. Philly and D.C. That little corner of the country is is where all the sports betting action is happening right now. Yeah. Very interesting here. I mean, Brett. So now we see this stuff and, you know, of course, we got the NBA deal with MGM. We I, I assume we all imagine the NFL to take a a position and do something. They'll probably be last. But I mean, we're probably I mean, we're probably on the precipice here of of, of Major League Baseball and NHL getting something done with somebody. Right. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I would think the MLB would be next, but it's I, I would not be the person to uh, to, to bet on this. See, I, I have I have them at the bottom of my list just because, oh, really? of the, because of the sort of image of baseball that they're you know so keen on on upholding the pure childhood generational baseball pastime of America. I don't know. It's really tough to forecast. I, there, it makes a lot of sense, obviously, um, I, but I, you know we haven't talked about the NFL. I think the NFL may be in a good spot to do something like that, at least with the most lucrative of the the sports deals with a casino potentially yeah i mean i guess the i guess it depends on if major league baseball decides to come to their senses right because i mean they continue year after year i mean the the numbers come out and while it's not like this oh the the sky's falling thing the big thing that they've got to try and plug the hole in it's just that their fan base continues to get older and like you don't want that i mean you need young fans you need new fans you need openings and stuff like that and you know mark i think that you know you're making your debut here but one of the things that we've you know beat the drum over and over about with these you know whole deals with whether it be teams or whether it be sports or sport leagues or whatever the hell it might be is just the fact that this is the way to actually reach some of these you know the millennials and stuff that everybody wants so bad i mean this is this is like the actual way to reach out and touch these guys in in a way that they understand they live on the internet they live on apps they live on technology and stuff like that so reaching them this way seems just so incredibly logical it does but mlb specifically is not very logical which is strange considering MLB uh, media is one of the best out there um, and very forward thinking online with being able to watch baseball, whether it's on your phone or your connected device or a TV, whatever. You could watch baseball from anywhere, but there are some things where their heels are dug into the ground and they're not going to budge. And, you know, right now, with, after uh, G2E, where we had people discussing royalty fees and integrity fees and not entirely understanding that there is money to be made there and that there are fan engagements that will lead to future fans. Uh, I don't know that they're entirely there yet. The NHL, surprisingly, is a very similarly run organization, but they're being a little bit more open um, on the down low uh, to sports betting, which I didn't think they would be in. And, of course, you have the NBA, which is all about it. And, uh, you know, they're already looking to charge by the quarter to watch a game um, online so that you'll be able to bet, 
you know, quarter by quarter. They're they're so far ahead of everybody else. It's kind of amazing. So uh, I'm not sure. You know, one thing with baseball, baseball is my love. Um, much like Brett loves hockey, I love baseball. Um, I grew up playing it. I grew up coaching it. Um, it. It is what I enjoy most. And it's frustrating to watch them just sort of keep their head in the sand about this issue, because I think a lot of Gen Xers that are sort of like me, you know, they're the, I don't know that they need to get to the millennials. Uh, be, they need the Gen X first because baby boomers are going to die soon. Gen Xers are the next baby boomers. Right. So we're going to go away soon. And then, you know, you got millennials. And I think the Gen X is a much forgotten generation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just a, it's a thing that we, you know, keep harping on over and over again. But I hope that people can see, you know, the forest or the trees here when it comes to all of that, because it is, it is certainly a way to, to increase I mean, it's not just it's not just engagement, but just your viewership in general. I know people who started watching a new sport strictly because they were able to do to play DFS on it. I mean, like there were people who started watching golf because they started making PGA DFS lineups and stuff. And I believe that these people need to come to grips with that can also happen here. It's not even just about fan engagement. It's about actually creating new fans around your around your sport. So we will uh, we will see how that all goes. So, Mark, this is where we want to turn it over to you here, and we want to kind of get your expertise on things. And I know that you were let in and saw some behind-the-scenes of stuff that's happening here in Las Vegas with everything. But one of the deals that we really kind of want to talk about is, you know, horse racing. And one of the things that we've seen, and, you know, I've I've been out to Jersey. I've been to, Mississippi, I've been to you know, Biloxi now a couple of times to, to check things out and what I'm seeing, and I think that what you're seeing as well, is these new sports books that are being built from the ground up where they're not really transforming an old space. It is more like, you know, like a living room and more like a focused on the television and the game and the experience and stuff around you. And the typical sports book from years past had an, uh, you know, a huge dedicated area to horse racing. And it looks like that's going away. It definitely is going away and, you know, sort of touching on what we just finished speaking about with the uh, baby boomers going away. Um, you know, the, the the person that used to bet on the horses also used to bet on baseball and sports in general. And that those two people are sort of diverging. The horse better is not necessarily a sports fan and the sports fan is not necessarily a horse better. So uh, you're you're seeing the uh, the casino operators pick who they want as their audience, and it is the younger, fresher uh, sports fan, not the horse fan that might be sort of aging out of the the target demo for casino operators. So on the strip, we see the Cromwell Park MGM, the Link. Um, they're not showing the horse racing anymore, um, and the Cromwell and Park MGM won't even take bets. The Link will take bets on day to day events, but. They won't show the races, so I'm not quite sure why you would go there to place a bet. And I spoke with Derek Stevens. He owns the D in downtown Las Vegas, the Golden Gate, and he's uh, building a new casino that's tentatively called 18 Fremont. And I just learned that none of those casinos will be showing horse racing in the future. So, and they will not be taking bets outside of, you know, the Triple Crown races or the uh, or the Breeders' Cup. You know, they. He's not going to 
cordon off part of his property for day-to-day races because those people are just not coming anymore to the casino or not in not such large numbers where it benef- where it makes much sense uh, financially for him to do. So the Golden Gate's getting a brand new sports book. It's under construction now. It should open on the second quarter of next year. It'll be a traditional sports book that fits the vibe of the casino, which is a relatively small, um, high energy, but small and uh, old school casino. Um, they are taking over the sports book operation, the sec- hopefully in the second quarter from William Hill. So they will no longer show races uh, at the D, for example. That'll get a refresh, some new TVs over there before they build a new sports book down the line someday in the future. Um, so there won't be any horse racing there. And like I said, 18 Fremont, the new casino that should open uh, by 2020 at some point, um, when they build their massive sports book, multi-level, huge monster of a gorgeous sports book, it will have the world's largest uh, viewing screen for, uh, for a sports book, but it will not show any horse racing outside of you know, the Kentucky Derby and the Belmont and those things right. where people are gathering and, and just excited for it. You know, we still have the South Point uh, and other places, Red Rock Casino, again, I always refer to my home spot, um, that, that are packed for the races. But on a day-to-day basis, we're definitely not seeing the older customers come out to the casinos in the more touristy parts of Las Vegas. Yeah, and I believe you kind of hit on it there. I mean, I'm... You know, I, we're all of relatively the same age here. And Eric, I'll go to you on this one. But, you know, you're you're a sports guy. You enjoy watching sports. Um, I've never heard you mention horse racing outside of, you know, maybe the Kentucky Derby, like the Triple Crown or something like that. Is is it it's it's is it more of a thing where I believe that people our age it's like the 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 big ones are like events. It's not even so much that you're interested in the race itself, but you're just interested in the spectacle and the event and things that go on around it. But I don't know any true horse racing fans. I'm being dead on it. Like I like none of my friends, any of the people that I any in, in my circle, I just don't know any. Yeah, it's def- I'm definitely attracted to the the spectacle of big horse races. I would say I'm a, a social horse better. I've done it, you know, around the, the big horse race in the US and the big one in Australia and things like that. Um, for me, it just comes down to knowledge. I never, growing up, I never learned about horse racing or knew what that was. So it didn't, it wasn't an easy transition or a natural transition into betting. Whereas with sports, I've always been a sports fan. I've grown up following players and knowing a little bit about teams, have a little more base of knowledge to bet on sports, just a little more out of my element, uh, with horses. But, you know, I do, I find some of the same enjoyment with it, the, the speculation and the, the dart throw for lack of a better way to put it since i don't have much knowledge with horse betting um i enjoy it just not something i'm knowledgeable about you know brett we've seen this happen time and time again you know not even just in you know not even just in vegas but really across the country as far as you know poker rooms continue getting shut down because of just lack of lack of attendance lack of people coming in on a day-to-day basis so kind of hearing this about horse racing doesn't really shock me all that much when it comes down to it because you know these casinos if they realize that space dedicated to to something like that if they can make you know x percent more by either changing it into a, a bar or a lounge or a or or, or even a you know whatever it might be a uh, 
a, a slot machine bank or something like that, I mean, they're, they're going to do it. So I, it doesn't surprise me kind of hearing this shift away from from the horse racing, actually. Yeah, of course. And, and poker is a good comparison, as you were seeing in Las Vegas, that, you know, the, all these a lot of these rooms are shutting down to create space for slots and then, you know, things that actually make the casino money. Uh, I'm with you. I don't know anybody really that like actually goes and watches these races day to day, these horse races. I don't know anybody who bets on uh, horse racing day to day. So it's I don't know. The whole, the whole thing's kind of idiotic to me. I never really understood why people <laughs> why why people are into it. But I mean, look, there are people out there who still do. I think there's going to be a place to bet on horses for for a while. But you're you're definitely starting to see it phase out, and, and it all starts in Las Vegas. We did talk about this a little a couple of weeks ago when I was down when I was in New Jersey and stopped in Long Island. I bet on the horses uh, through the mobile app at a, at one of the bars and noted that a lot of people there were betting on the horses. I I was surprised by how many people were betting on the horses, but kind of same thing. I just. I just can't quite get into it when I, when I try. Yeah, I think it's just more the event for me and the spectacle. Like if I could go to a track and hang out with buddies and have some cocktails and bet on horses, then I'm going to do it. If it's the big Kentucky Derby and people want to like put some money down and we all kind of like laugh about whether we're going to hit the trifecta or not, like that's fine. But yeah, I mean, you're just not going to catch me casually uh, watching horses and so it kind of this none of this really shocks me in the least bit but before we get out of here mark we we've talked about you know we were uh, eric and i were at g2e and we did the stuff that we thought that was cool and everything that was going on but you were certainly there and around um just real quick what were some of the what were some of the cooler things you saw at g2e this year well, I think everyone's favorite takeaway from G2E this year was that electronic, glowing, digital crafts table. Um, but, you know, in the sports world, I was probably most excited for the uh, n- number of kiosks that are in casinos now that are coming to casinos and the technology that's behind them. It frustrates me as someone that lives in Nevada that <laughs> to not use one of these stupid kiosks because – are, they're not regulated and not allowed to be happening. But you could see them in New Jersey and Mississippi um, at a couple of different casinos. IGT is launching some uh, next year for both markets. Hopefully Vegas will catch up. Um, when I talked to Derek Stevens, he said he expects that to happen very quickly and very, very soon. And I look forward to that. You know, and the other thing I saw was uh, that was really unique is IGT has these betting terminals for in-play wagering, which most of us use our mobile apps for in-play wagering. But these are essentially betting desks where you sit, you could put a key game on the TV, you have your in-play betting options popping up every play. Um, You pre-populate the money so you don't have to waste time, you know, saying I want to bet 10 bucks on this to happen, 10 bucks on this, 10 bucks. You just already have it populated. So you could just bang out your bets every Every time something happens that you want to do, those are uh, still have to be approved uh, by regulate by regulators. But that, as far as sports tech innovations, is something that I think is next step to what we're seeing now. Whether it's um, scientific gaming, having kiosks and deck and little things you could put on a desk for people to place wagers, um, I think that that these giant uh, units um, are are really the next step for for what we're with the casinos are looking at is a way, like you said, in play is a way to make money and in the future in Mississippi might be the next step for them. I I personally am not sure the American customer 
is ready for that, but that's just me assuming everyone's an old stodgy guy that's not ready to uh, change the way they gamble. <laughs> Eric, I actually forgot about that. You and I stopped by and, and got the uh, got the tour of that thing, and that thing was actually pretty cool. It, it really was. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, no complaints. I forgot about that. You and I had stopped by and done that. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it was a very interesting. It, like you said, just like basically your own little desk, and you put on your game that you want to, and it'll just fly up bets, and that you can play some like really quickly. It was. Uh, Pretty interesting to see how those things start getting rolled out uh, across the country here. And before we get out of here, guys, uh, one of the things that we uh, should bring up is now if you live in and or around over there in New Jersey, you have even more options if you are an iPhone user. One of the things was there was a holdout and some of these uh, big providers were not able to get pushed through into the Apple I, you know, store there, whatever it is, the iTunes store, whatever in the hell. But uh, now MGM 888 and BetStars, Eric, are all live. So they are able to be used. And, of course, they might as well, you know, head to one of our sites and, and download from one of our sites because, you know, they should. We, People do, should. we do have reviews of these, yeah, yes, these yeah. new sports books if you're so inclined. Yes, yes. The, so you, just from a Nevada, Nevada standpoint, I want to say these, these other apps in New Jersey are phenomenal. They yeah. blow away everything that we have. And I was telling Brett off the air earlier, it makes you want to curse when I look at how <laughs> awesome the tech is behind these apps, whether it's 888, Sugar House, FanDuel. These apps are beautiful, and there's so much more behind them, whether it's Canby offering different in, in-play betting options. the the, the it's, it's just – it makes me crazy that I can't play with those when I'm uh, tooling around it uh, – you know, nine o'clock on the on a Wednesday <laughs> evening, watching watching a basketball game that really doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I feel I'd much you. rather uh, supplement my my enjoyment. I feel you. I, they're all on my phone as well, my friend. I trust. <laughs> trust me. I, I I feel you. I I feel your pain. Hopefully, hopefully one day we can only we can only uh we can only hope. All right, Eric. If they want to find you on the Twitter machine, where do they do it? Eric underscore. Hopefully by episode one twenty seven, we'll have that underscore <laughs> yeah. on my name, huh? Eric underscore Ramsey. Yeah, uh, Brett. At Brett Colson, two T's and two L's. And Mark, where will they find you on the Twitter machine? I am Melt, M-E-L-T-Z, and Vegas. No underscores. No underscores. No, oh, he, look at him. He just got just one of the, the needles. Yeah, needles. he just got a fancy one or whatever. And then I have to come with my, yeah, I'm at Matt Brown, M, the letter M, too, because if you have a name like Matt Brown, good luck. Like, good luck trying to find social media stuff. Uh, Mark, thanks a ton for, for uh, being here. Eric, Brett, for everyone here, guys, please. Head to thelines.com, head to legalsportsreport.com, onlinepokerreport.com, and all of our sites out there. As Eric mentioned, we have reviews of all the new apps, and of course, you can get the full, long, written version of all the topics that we talked about here on the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>